Hello, strangers, and welcome to the May 31st edition of the Stranger Horizons Poetry Podcast, our trans special issue. I'm your host, Chiro Fayenza, and we have nine poems for you this week. First up is Amari Lowe's Themself, with a reading by the poet. Amari Lowe, also known as Circle Journey, is a Singaporean artist and writer currently based in Australia. Neurodivergent, non-binary, and growing up in a country where identities are assigned rather than discovered, their life has always lain at a tideline between authority and individuality, between who they are and who others think they are. They are fascinated with how subjective experiences sit amid scientific knowledge, and their work often explores the connections and frictions between the two. Amari can be followed at twitter.com slash circle journey, and a collection of their writing can be found at loamari.tumblr.com. Content advisories for this poem include sexism and gender discrimination, trans misgendering, and other transphobic depictions. And now, the poems. Themself by Amari Lowe. The day I learnt self was once spelled cell bars. I realized my lexicon was full of fickle male lyrebirds stealing chainsaw refrains and shadow clicks for their mates. And I worship sashis because they're grand and ineffable and because captains are men and men want women even though ships have no genitals nor lips to protest it. And in class, we're told that they is too potent to be wielded by a person alone because subject-verb agreement cares not for self. You're either he or she or error and errors make people uncomfortable. And then we're taught to squirm when such errors are made. Because my card says F and my body lies she, spelled from G-A-T-C, and they all answer she, 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 as if words in libraries could orchestrate the building of cities, as if Alexandria were an armory, as if I were a ship. Are you a girl or a boy? asks a pair of bright pink lips. I'm a girl, a girl, a parrot, and I like dolls because of my karyotype. But I have not been able to bring myself to wear a dress to wear my double X for a decade. And I'm just a liar, liar, liar bird, speaking stolen words, but the one that lays the eggs without his pharyngeal virtuosity. And that was Themself by Amari Lowe. Next up is Lou Cristoforo's I See You Too, as read by the poet. Lou Cristoforo writes fiction about the fantastic and the mundane from Belo Horizonte, Brazil. They are one of the founders of Faísca, an independent game studio producing story-driven games. You can find them on Twitter at Cristoforo L underscore. Content advisories for this poem include animal cruelty and death, blood, and spiders and insects. I See You Too by Lu Cristoforo Meeting Jorge made me paralyzed. My body motionless while the Pampulha Lake seeped through my feet. When I looked at him, I remembered everything. I remembered my grandma Francisca, the time she brought jabuticabas from her home in the countryside. I always liked jabuticabas, the plock sound they make when crushed by my teeth. Grandma doesn't like it much. She feels like she's chewing someone's eye. I remembered the day when Fogetti, my cat, killed a cockroach and left it on my bedroom's rug. Fogetti was always bringing me presents that I kept inside a box on the highest shelf of my closet. 
There was a piece of telephone wire, a yellow stock with a hole in the toe, and an old silver teaspoon. Part of me thought that I was going too far, but I kept the cockroach. I remembered when Tomás and I skipped class to go rowing on Parque Municipal. That day, I told him I didn't want to kiss just boys for the rest of my life. He didn't say anything, just kept rowing while I looked at the bottom of the lake. The water seemed displaced, the little waves belated as in a movie with desynchronized audio. I felt observed. Observed by whom? I don't see anyone here, he said. Yeah, me neither. I lied. I remember the day I came home from class and found my father, the box in his hands, the box that I kept on the highest shelf of my closet. He said that there was nothing wrong with keeping Fogetti's presence. The problem was the cockroach. It had 12 legs. I remember the time I asked Fernanda, my high school English teacher, the meaning of the word queer. She didn't know how to answer, but Google did. One, noun, a homosexual man. Two, verb, spoil or ruin, an agreement, event or situation. Three, adjective, strange, odd. I swallowed all those dictionary definitions, but they felt like fishbones stuck to my throat. I remembered the picnic at Praça da Liberdade. Julia took green strawberries and I took jabuticabas. We ate and kissed as youths from a French movie, the strawberry juice dripping through her lips, the jabuticabas going pluck, pluck, pluck on my teeth. She looked at me with sour eyes and I realized my mouth tasted like blood. After that, Julia never kissed me again, and I stopped eating Japuchicabas. I remembered everything when I saw George, saw the green scales of the face, the thick brown fur escaping the sleeves of the stained jacket, the dirt disguising itself as glitter on his polished nails. This time, Tomás also looked. He ran away, yelling that it was grotesque. Maybe I was also grotesque, because I just stood there, still, looking in the eyes, all those eyes. While he walked in my direction, I didn't want to move. And when he got close enough, he whispered, in hunger, I see you too. And that was I See You Too by Lu Cristoforo. Next up is After Watching Moonlight by Bisa A. Dukes, with a reading by the poet. Bisa A. Dukes is a 27-year-old black bi-gendered person. They graduated Longwood University with a BA in English and West Virginia Wesleyan College with an MFA in Creative Writing. They have published in the Guide to Culture Creative Journal, issue number four, Pank Online Magazine, Polychrome Inc. Journal, Grub Street, No Tokens, Foglifter Journal, Paper Nautilus, Prism International, and Cosmonauts Avenue. They focus right and play around with gender, race, sexuality, off-pulse spirit stuff, and the body to explore identity. Content advisories for this poem include blood, body transformation, and self-harming behaviors.
After Watching Moonlight by Bisa Akuba Dukes. After watching Moonlight, I try and figure out how to breathe. Like, I straight sit in my room, circle like moon, suck in, body collapsing inward, stomach tucking, lungs buckling, shuddering, shuddering, holding deep. Then air bursts from me, bursts right out my mouth, catching against my heartbeat, stammering the air a bit, turning it a foamy blue-green. And I can still see the blue scenes barreling into me, wrapping around my body. Two boys drowned in each other, sea-riddled lungs, chest hitching, a kiss, the slight collapsing of shoulders, water sloshing, sand crushed under flexing palm, rolling sky, the hot moon above, the connection, the hush, soft and violent. Blue boy, heart snapped open by the fist of the boy who seemed to love him. Same fist that gave to him moonlit bliss. Same fist he saw in his puppy dog sleep kissed by his nervous lips. Chiron and broken bathroom light, flickering fluorescent, pale, soaking into dark skin, moonlight slipping from his eyes, little fading to black. Like the type of sob dream you get when you ain't alright but soon you finna be because there's some trick light. Some full busted moonbeam that is so warm it brushes through you, rims your whole skin, glows you up until you bright enough to burn the whole sky, burn the black bright. I realize, yeah, yeah, nigga, you blue too. I'm blue too. I'm as black as the night sky. The moon clings to me, black skin catching so much moon heat, moon transforming me. This body is blackened entity beneath the bluest undoing. I'm a kid again. I'm little, and watching the moon rise over me. I'm curled in on myself, becoming moon. I'm clutching the heart sound, chest so tiny now, not sure I'm feeling a pulse. Hands so small now, I can't hold the sound in. Lungs so weak now, I ain't breathing. I ain't breathing. I ain't breathing. Moon got me on that breathless. Moon got me off guard. Got me looking into it deep in hazardous falling in. My body hitches, something like air slips between my teeth. I fall out, right into a half-shape, draped against my bed, pressed against the mattress, drenched in sweat, teary-eyed, dry mouth, and I'm rasping, and I'm shaking, and I'm crumbling. I'm biting at my own skin, trying to get the moonlight out. But the moonlight stuck in, stuck to the bone, stuck to the blood and the pulse. I press my ears to my wrist and listen. Sounds like crashing waves, like a mouth parted around a nervous sound, like black kids whispering in the night, like bashful bodies colliding into the blue air, sinking in, becoming new, blue-hued. Moonlight never leaves once it gets in. It's attracted to blackness. I'm the black sky, the fevered blue forever. I kiss my moon-fevered skin. I kiss from the wrist to fingertips. I kiss all the black skin I can get. Moon-loved, moon-bass. Blue blessed, I breathe. And that was After Watching Moonlight by Biza A. Dukes. Next up is Avi Silver's Passing Diamonds with a reading by the poet. Avi Silver is a spectic author, Sawani Cycle, editor, Augur Magazine, poet, and co-founder of The Shale Project. Find their short fiction in Common Bonds, an aromatic speculative anthology, and more of their poetry forthcoming in Uncanny Magazine. Learn more at mxavisilver.com or on Twitter at The Scream Beam. Content advisories for this poem include blood and violence in combat. Passing Diamonds by Avi Silver 
The Goblin Queen hosts a feast of oil, and the night slips down my throat as a dream. Every soup wears a sheen, every fish belly shudders. Have you ever known such simple and supple desserts? She is cast in points, a queen of under everything. Blessed are the copper teeth, righteous are the agate nails, horns curled precious around delicate ears, nose hooked as a question toward blood-sweetened lips. Above, I dare say, there are those who call us sister things, and I tell her of the Jew who swallowed her mother's diamonds, passed them, ate them, passed them again, carried her bitter hoard all the way to Liberation Day. Goblins do not pass anything, she declares on jagged tongue. Our bellies are as earth core, our word is as the last, better an eater than an ancestor. Better to finish the hunger right. How I covet the dip of her pinky into viscous fossil wine. My voice is thin as salted water, my myth is bone meal dry. I mouth misshapen prayers that were lost to the dark. Grieve the shoes I'll devour one day for a daughter, but I smith my silence to an iron gate. For the queen knows nothing of the work that sets you free. Would you cut my throat on such callous ease? I want to pour out slowly. I don't even want to stain. And that was Avi Silver's Passing Diamonds. Next up is Do Not Say a Boy's Body is a Taboo by Emmanuel Ojekodian with a reading by the poet. Emmanuel Ojekodian is an emerging Nigerian writer, poet, and essayist. He's reading a BA with honors in English and literature at the University of Benin, Nigeria. He typically writes about the dark. He's been published in Rigorous, Capsule Stories, New Horizon Creatives, The Rising Phoenix Review, African Writer, Konsio, Pangolin Review, and elsewhere, and was a finalist for the Best of Kindness Poetry Contest 2020, Origami Poems Projects. He listens to blues, country, and pop music. Say hello to him on Twitter at H-E-R-M-Y-N-U-E-L. Content advisories for this poem include disregard for personal autonomy, child abuse, homophobia, sex, and violence in combat. Do not say boy's body is a taboo by Emmanuel Ojeikodion. Your mother pronounced you a taboo after she saw you climbing another boy's body. She sank all her teeth on your skin and every slap descended on you like rain. You do not know if it's a demon or a curse, but every time you try to refuse a boy's body, a train of desires crushes you and you rummage for a boy's body to pour the urge. In your mind, a girl's body is a lime, so sour like your mother's, a stick to add like your sister's. What throws your body on fire is when a boy creeps inside, pick your desires and make your hormones charge like current. Your mother trundles head away along with you to the home of the family's pastor. Things a taboo that turns in you stems from a demon. You return home, and she sprinkles holy water on you, mutters a prayer in the process. Because your body is fire, and what ignites its glow is to comb another body with the same propensity of fire you carry. You wish to tell your mother that she's a drama queen, that the mice she works to tell your body is a needless journey. That was Do Not Say a Boy's Body is Taboo by Emmanuel Ojekodian. Next up is How to Adult by Brooke Abbey. Brooke Abbey is a disabled, transmasculine, queer, single parent, putting him at the cutting edge of dad joke technology. He is a pharmacist specializing in compounding and immunization and is grateful that mad science and stabbing people is a viable career path. He has a Pegasus award-winning album of filk songs played on the banjo, 
And if that doesn't terrify you, you can investigate at brookabbey.com slash album slash steel hyphen cage hyphen match. Content advisories for this poem include drug use. How to Adult by Brooke Abbey An olive, perhaps, stuffed with something bitter. A mortgage statement wrapped around an artichoke. It must be something mature. No teenaged hot, hot, hot sauce. No boasts or man-child charbroiled contest. No, something your grandmother would consume. But she has her secret scotch against the cold and ate many grim and tasteless things to stretch the stew to the end of the month. Do not discount her. You will be tempted to mix cigars and cloves and motor oil, to roll them in your taxes on the discarded page of colonoscopy instructions, but remember you will have to eat the final product, that the spell will only work if you don't choke. Coffee seemed perfect at first, but now you have doubts. It's so easy to buy it in marshmallow form or as a popsicle or in a juice box. It won't start a pickup truck anymore, you're pretty sure, if it ever did. I will tell you a secret. Once you've dressed in nylons and a tie, cast the square and swallowed the item you chose to mark the start of adulthood or the end of childhood, you're not sure which, the paperwork never reached you, once you've drunk it down or eaten it entire, there is no sign. Did you succeed or fail or some wretched middle thing? Are you accruing now valorous deeds, fathomless debt, or unwanted magazine subscriptions? In this uncertainty you now dwell. Welcome. We're here too. That was How to Adult by Brooke Abbey. Next up is Luna by Alexander Te Pohe. Alexander Te Pohe is a Maori trans man living on Wajuk Nungar land. He writes young adult fiction and poetry. His work appears in Center for Stories Anthology, To Hold the Clouds, DJ Press, Tiger Moth Review, and Emerging Writers Emerge. Alexander also reviews young adult fiction for Rabble Books and Games. Content advisories for this poem include blood, self-harming behaviors, and shaming. Luna by Alexander Te Pohe 1. The City in the Clouds Glass spires rise above the clouds, passing rainbows amongst them like children passing round laughter. Water cascades between floating lakes, pouring from one to the next to feed the rivers below. The citizens of the city tend to the planet's weather. Their glee becomes sparkles and raindrops. Their chuckles, rumbles of thunder. For most, everything is perfect. 2. The Winged One Young Luna wanders between the spires, their hands small in their mother's. Strangers cast glances at their mother's tawny wings, at the black feathers curled against Luna's back. Winged people like Luna are tolerated, a resigned half-acceptance, half-hatred. As Luna grows, the stairs become laughter, pointing. The disgust crackles the air. On a moonless night, Luna shuts themselves in their room with a knife and the will to free themselves. The blade does little more than nick the skin. Drops of blood drip to the floor. Luna bandages their wings, cocooning themselves in clothes, blankets, fleeing into sleep's embrace. 3. A Dance in the Moonlight Luna hides themselves away, their wings beneath clothing, themselves behind the walls of their home with their wings concealed. Luna pretends to be normal. Sometimes Luna forgets about their wings until the feathers brush against their back. Each time they remember the teasing words, pulling them apart from the inside out. There is no escaping that shame, even in the pitch-black darkness of their room. 
Luna's friend Artemis coaxes them outside on the night of a full moon. They wander the city aimlessly. Artemis's wings draw many eyes to them. In their mind, Luna tells themselves, they're not like Artemis at all. This way they don't feel ashamed. In fact, they don't feel at all. Their feet carry them to a waterfall on the outskirts of the city. Artemis runs through it, laughing. Unwilling to be alone, Luna follows. Beyond is a secret grove in which winged people dance amongst fallen rose petals. Others soar above, between lakes and outward to the empty air beyond the island. The laughter overhead reaches Luna on the ground. Their wings flutter beneath their clothing. Luna yearns to join the others in the air, even for just a moment, under the pale moonlight. They look euphoric. If Luna joined them, maybe they too could feel that. Instead, Luna sits on a large mushroom, watching Artemis take flight. 4. Freedom The night of the dance plays on repeat in Luna's heart and mind. They'd learnt to loathe their wings, yet simply watching others fly had awoken something in them. Amongst the clouds, Artemis seemed to hold a strange new power Luna could not understand. They return to the waterfall days later. Without Artemis, the grove isn't magical. It's merely another empty patch of grass in their city. At least no one will bear witness to Luna if, rather, when they fail. Luna shrugs off layers of clothing until their wings are free. They examine the black feathers. In the light, the tips are golden. They take a breath, jog forward, wings extended, arms pumping, only to trip, fall, just as they'd feared. Their ears turn red with embarrassment. They stand and gather themselves. They take off at a run, wings flapping, their feet leave the ground. Their stomach drops, panic surges through them. They tumble, falling back to the soil. All Luna wants is a moment of bliss to hold on to forever. Maybe then their desire to fly would be quenched for eternity. They decide to try, just once more. They run, catching a gust of wind lifting off the ground, soaring up to the clouds, weightless. All their fear and their memories of hurt are shed. They could do anything, be anyone. For the first time in a long time, Luna feels the ecstasy of utter freedom. And that was Luna by Alexander Te Pohe. Next up is The Chrononaut by M. Darusha Wem. M. Darusha Wem is the Nebula Award-nominated and Sir Julius Vogel Award-winning author of the interactive fiction game The Martian Job, as well as 13 novels, several poems, and many short stories. Originally from Canada, Darusha lives in Wellington, New Zealand after spending several years sailing the Pacific. Content advisories for this poem include blood and body transformation. The Chrononaut by M. Darusha Wem One day when I was small, I crawled inside a grandfather paradox, curled up in the talk tick-tock, and became a chrononaut, born in the deep dark of a time cave. I would be there for all time, forever exploring, a time spelunker. Every second I became something new, with a clock for a heart and a clocked tick-tock of a watch for blood in my veins. No beginning or end in the deep dark of the hour, no longer than one and no shorter than none. Every second I discover something new, with a clock for my breath and the clock tick-tock of a watch for air in my lungs. There are no words to speak in the deep dark of the hour, no longer than one and no shorter than none. And that was The Chrononaut by M. Darusha Wem. Final poem for the issue is Inherited Battlefield by Elliot Dunstan. 
Elliot Dunstan is an Ottawa-based poet, historian, and author, previously published in Bywords.ca and Renaissance Press, and currently running Alchemia Fables Press. Elliot is a mixed-race autistic trans man who tries to speak to all of these things in his novels and poetry, which can be found at ElliotDunstan.com. Content advisories for this poem include abuse, blood, death and dying, and violence in combat. Inherited Battlefield by Elliot Dunstan You never asked for this war. You were born into it, a happy accident of circumstance, and you planted the landmines as you took your first breath, first step, first date, first kiss. You never asked for this war. Your hands are raw red from offering white flags, feet as light and soft as dandelion seeds trying to find out which piece of ground will collapse next. You never asked for this war. You're a conscript to this battlefield. Helmet ill-fitting, fatigues borrowed from some dead comrade. You collect bullet scars before you learn how to load a gun, gunpowder scorching the tender from your fingers. Nobody's got time for snowflakes. So when you start melting blood out the edges of your Kevlar, you turn it back into ice and think cold thoughts. You never asked for this war. You fight it anyway, with every breath, every nerve, every cell, every thought. When she yells at you too loud to hear, when she shoves you out the door with a coat and a broken phone, you never spend the night outside. It's just about reminding you who calls the shots, who pays the bills, who will always win out in a war between your wills. You never asked for this war. You were just born into it. You want to be a better daughter. You pretend not to be her son. You never asked for this war. And one day, maybe soon, you'll walk away, waiting for a bullet in your back, waiting for a sword between your shoulders, waiting for God to cut you down for your cowardice. And at last, the sound of shotguns and mortar fire will fade into the distance behind you. Not yet. You're not brave enough, or strong enough, or old enough. Not yet. But one day... And this has been the May 31st edition of the Strange Horizons Poetry Podcast, our trans special issue. We hope you like what you heard. You can leave us a comment at the podcast page. And while you're there, check out the rest of this issue. We have a host of themed editorials, articles, interviews, and fiction, and the first of the week's reviews. And lastly, as a reminder, Strange Horizons is an all-volunteer organization. We depend on the support of our listeners. So when you have a moment, check out the donate link at the top of the page. And until next week, stay safe and stay strange. Strange.